this important topic on uh, discussing research in Gen Z. I'm sure you've seen some of the research by Barna and Pew Research and many others. Let me start by looking at uh, the theological picture of Gen Z, okay? I'm sure you've seen the research. Let me walk you through the generational loss of a biblical worldview from grandparents to teenagers. You know, the silent generation had about a 65% biblical worldview. Okay, that's our grandparents. You know, Gen X had about a 32% biblical worldview. That's parents today. And then the millennials came along, the young adults, had about a 19% biblical worldview. And now, Gen Z teenagers today have about a 4% biblical worldview. Remarkable plunge from grandparents to teenagers and their grandchildren. Listen, a biblical worldview or framework is a lens by which we see and think about the issues, right? Think about it, it's gone. That biblical worldview is gone and a pop culture religion has replaced it. Let me give you some more stats to prove that. Only 33% of Christian teens can even name half of the Ten Commandments. Only 25% of Christian teens can uh, end up reading the Bible weekly. And think about this, compared to millennials, of which 40% attended church, millennials, 40% attended church, only 24% of Gen Z attends church weekly. So about a quarter. Again, these stats are a result of a lack of theology in the home for sure. We're not, we can't blame everything on youth ministry, right? But they are also a result of a lack of theology in youth ministry. I think it's because youth ministry has become increasingly program-based, okay, and not presence-based. Program-based and not presence-based. What I mean by that is, you know, more games and less worship. Uh, uh, more life discussions and less teaching and preaching on discipleship. Uh, I think it's pretty clear. Whatever we've been doing isn't working. I tell youth pastors around the country all the time, whatever we've been doing the last decade, we really need to stop. Because whatever we've been doing is producing a 4% biblical worldview. Now, listen, I know that sounds harsh, right? <laughs> Throw it all out, right? Listen, it's true when we look at the research, change needs to happen. What kind of change is that? I believe that we need a major, major emphasis on theology, not meology, <laughs> okay, theology. L listen, most of us lead, especially in uh, church leadership today, we lead in a natural leadership way versus a spiritual leadership way. Let me explain it. Look at the books on your desk. I mean, the books on our desk are about 
systems and they're about teams and they're about personality tests and you know uh, church planting and church growth methods we need a return to theology and spiritual discipline in youth ministry and not just natural leadership and church growth principles okay you, you know you, you know so again look, take a peek at your desk and look at that okay listen I think students can handle more than 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 we even can imagine the the school system actually expects more from teenagers than the church. The school system expects more out of teenagers than the church. I mean, they have to be on time for class. They have deadlines for their homework. They do research and study in multiple courses and they, they are taught and must respect each other in class discussions. They take notes, they manage schedules. I mean, think about that. The school system treats teenagers more maturely than we do. Students tell me all over the country that they can handle the truth. <laughs> yeah, a little pop reference there. Listen, when they come to youth group, we want them to play gaga ball and nine square and feed them pizza or sit around in small group and talk about their day, right? Just small talk. Listen, I love getting to know the stories of teenagers. One of my favorite things to do is just to hang out with, I, I tell people all the time, I like adults, but I love teenagers. I love to build relationship with them. I love to hear their stories, but that's not enough. That is, that, that kind of sitting around and chit chat and catching up with them, that cannot replace spiritual formation and discipleship. We need, listen, we need to spend more time in the, the, the spiritual disciplines. We spend very little time in worship and we've cut out the number of songs we do. We spend very little time in preaching or teaching. That's why we're staring 4% biblical worldview in Gen Z right in the face. I think it stems from this concept of, you know, don't put me in a box. You ever heard people say that? I don't want a box. I don't want lids or ceilings. Listen, if I may, let me, let, let me hit something real quick here before we talk about a theology of sexuality. It's really pop today to make statements like, don't put me in a box or the church is just a uh, place of lists. It's all do's and don'ts. Really? That is simply the fruits of humanism and moral relativity in our culture. And now it's snuck into the church. Listen, we have very few absolutes or standards today because everybody wants to throw it out and everybody wants to discuss it and uh, don't tell, don't, don't give me the absolutes, okay? Uh, we, we don't like non-negotiables. <laughs> Listen, unless we're talking about civil law, like, you know, civil law, okay, like speeding laws, uh, uh, breaking and entering or assault, we're okay with that, aren't we? But when it comes to the Bible, we don't want any spiritual laws. <laughs> I mean, think about that, right? I'm okay with driving this fast in the neighborhood or whatever, 
but don't tell me how to live my life. So what kind of a society, think about this, what kind of a society would we be without a set of standards or a way of living? Like just from that civil code, if we removed all of those laws that we live by, what, what kind of society would we have? Actually, I think we're beginning to see the results of humanism and moral relativity. Relatives are, are, you know, morals are relative to whatever I want them to be. So anyway, let's apply this theology, this concept, okay, of a framework to a theology of sexuality. I believe this is one of the most important topics in youth ministry. I mean, we must deal with the disintegration of the family. For sure, that is probably the worst issue in culture today. I, I don't think we would have much of an argument about that. But I think the second most important issue we must deal with with teenagers is the sexual revolution and what we're going through right now. There is a major battle going on in America between culture and scripture, okay? between popularity and principle. Hear me, populist does not set principle, okay? And so this battle that is going on um, with this argument, uh, this, this sexuality, theology of sexuality argument, I think there are three main issues. It is the sanctity of gender, the sanctity of marriage, and the sanctity of sex. Gender, marriage, and sex. Think about that. Uh, let me define those and give you a biblical framework for thinking there. This culture treats these three totally different than, than scripture does. And the problem we have in youth ministry is that culture has overtaken scripture in the lives of our students. And so our students think culturally. Their worldview is not a biblical world, it's a 4% biblical worldview. Their worldview is directly related to their cultural understanding. The movies around them, the music they listen to, social media and body shaming and peers, okay? So look at these, gender first. Let me deal with gender. The culture does not revere gender. It has taken gender beyond male and female and created a neutral gender or multiple gender expressions. I counted them, there's over 55 multiple, multiple uh, expressions. But the scriptures revere gender because it is the sacred design of humanity from God, our creator, to us. It is binary, it is set, and not up for change. It is not, it is not non-binary, open to multiple, right? So that's gender. How about marriage and family? Culture has disintegrated the importance of marriage and family. And government has redefined marriage and our nation has dismantled the family. Disempower, no power, no authority. And when we lost the family, we lost society. That's why I say I think the family is the number one problem in teenagers' lives today but it relates directly to this idea of sexuality because the scriptures revere marriage and family. 
Look at the language uh, in the Bible of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and the fact that God hates divorce. Marriage and family is the model expression of human relations to God. Think about that. It is the model expression of human relationships to God. Let me hit the last one, sex. Our culture has no reverence for sex. And it's really simple to understand why. When the devil stole love, the devil stole sex. And now we have a loveless hookup culture that is all about pleasure and not about purpose. Think about that. It is that hookup culture. The scriptures outline a natural design for sex, really a supernatural design for sex that is passionate, purposeful, and procreative. There's no confusion or lack of clarity in the Bible about the uh, climax of sex within marriage between a man and a woman. I said it, <laughs> almost redefining it in your ears because it rings in our students' ears. It's the opposite of that. Sex is free, right? Listen, we must become better at talking about sex and sexuality in youth ministry because our students are formulating their theology from their peers. And peer theology is not pure theology. It's not. We must be able to define the terms and define the scriptures. And so can I do that for you? Can I